Hi, everybody. It's Kayla got the 411. I am here in regards to the boys team. I have a group of amazing women. They're going to be joining me today. We are a panel of women of color. We are coming together to get into some very serious topics when it comes to women of color in the workforce. But since we are all in a creative space, some of us work in film, some of us work in art, and of course, I work in media, we're going to be talking about our experiences that we deal with. So today I have with me Naraya. How you doing, Naraya? How you feeling? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about um, all things being women of color in this industry. So I'm super excited. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And we have S.A. How are you, S.A.? Hi. How's everyone doing today? Great. Happy to be here. Yes. And last, we have Yari. How are you doing, Yari? Hi. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on this panel with you all. I'm excited also. I'm not quite sure Voyage has ever did anything like this. I'm honored to be a host. And I think some of the topics and discussions that you all kind of refer for something that we really need to talk about. I don't think a lot of people come together to talk about the issues, especially within this industry, but from not a safe space, but really getting into the nitty gritty of what we actually go through. Now, many have heard this saying that this is a man's world. I'm pretty sure you all heard that song from James Brown, but Everybody seems to forget that last part, but it would be nothing without a woman. Women today are proving that we are bosses, we are leaders, we are innovators. Even still today, we deal with issues from not receiving equal pay, harassment in the workplace, and sexism. But when you are a woman of color in the workplace, there comes racism, discrimination, along with being stereotypes. So equality is nice on paper, but many women of color, we live it every day in the workplace. So until you actually hear us talk, you will never understand what we go through unless you get us all together. And that's what we're doing today. Now during this panel, we're gonna be discussing our experience as women of color in film, media, art, or the workplace in general. We're gonna be giving our insights into the lack of representation of women of color in film, colorism within the entertainment, music, art, and the film industry. That's a big one right now. That's kind of been going viral on TikTok. And how to be true to yourself while presenting your best professional self in these industries. And lastly, work-life balance. Can you be successful while still staying, staying in this industry? Why everyone promotes the hustle culture where they want you to work to death <laughs> and then you end up dying from being so stressed out, you can't even enjoy everything that you work hard on. Now, S.A. and Naraya, you all work in the film. So you guys go ahead and introduce yourself when we get rolling. You can start, Naraya. So um, I'm Naraya, I'm a cinematographer, but I also have my own production company as well. Um, I've been doing this for about nine years now. I've done it all, I've edited, I've done the corporate route. Um, it's a freelance thing. I used to do music videos, I shot weddings, I've, I've done, you know, pretty much anything film and video related. So uh, as you can imagine, I have countless stories, um, which led me to eventually start my own company because I just didn't want to play play the game, you know, that uh, is set up right now when it comes to climbing the ladder in, in Hollywood and trying to get there. It's just a lot of uh, politics there. So um, I kind of just wanted to play the game my way, if that makes sense. So that's that's why um, I ended up here. I'm S.A., writer, director, producer. I have my own production company here in Atlanta. Um, I've only been doing it about four years. So I'm steadily growing, getting better. Um, yeah, uh, I've got about 15 short films and I've done a stage play. So... 
getting ready to do my first feature. So, um, my name's Yari. I'm a visual artist. Um, I've been out of school for maybe about three years, but um, I'm trained as a painter. I'm somewhere in between painting and photography right now. Um, I'm still making my way to, um, I guess, supporting myself off of my art. That's not something I've been able to achieve yet, but it's a goal of mine. And I've uh, been working in like arts administration and other kinds of like art related jobs um, and nonprofit. Um, so I've dealt with my fair share as well um, through the years, but I'm, I'm happy to be able to like share with you all um, what I've been through and hear from you guys as well. Yes, and I'm Kayla Got the 411 media personality. I have a talk show and I talk on a lot of topics, but I haven't really gotten dealt with this type of topic. So I'm excited to have you ladies on here from all different aspects. Now, SA and Navariah, you all work directly in the film industry when it comes to films. Today, many black women feel that there are not enough roles available, that current roles are written for lighter complexion black women. Do you all feel colorism still affects the film industry? When it comes to the cast or the crew or both? It's kind of um, different issues for both. <laughs> I guess um, from either direction, I guess from a writer's point of view, I guess a lot of these writers, they do write for mm -hmm. people of color until they get to someone who actually wants to pick it up. Then they want to yeah. switch things around. We've seen that in popular TV shows where all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, yep. you have a dark skin um, yep. wife and all of a sudden she switched out for a light skin wife, yep. nobody says anything. I was like, okay, we noticed that, but nobody's going to explain why. Right, exactly. Yeah, so exactly like what you just said. Um, not only just seeing that on the bigger scale, but I've seen that a lot with like friends of mine right now that are in the stage of getting investors or like pitching or, you know, getting in the room to try to talk to some streaming services or whatever they have you and they're being told that, oh, we love this idea, you know, we'd love to, to work with you and greenlight it, but, and it's always that but, and it usually means diminishing um, the vision in some way. And a lot of the times it is saying, well, we, we want to put this actress in, this, you know, either light-skinned actress in, um, or or we want to actually not even make them a person of color <laughs> and get so-and-so white actress in instead. So this is definitely still an issue happening now. It's not, you know, old news. I mean, yes, we're moving in a better direction, I guess, um, because, yeah, I do have, I am seeing shows that are uh, offering, you know, uh, dark-skinned, you know, leads and, and more people that look like me and what may have you, but it's definitely still an issue. Um, now, on the crew side, it's, yeah, it's, like, even here in, in, you know, Atlanta right now, like, I can count on one hand how many, like, female DPs that I know, like, to be a camera woman is, like, it's like we're unicorns because we just we just don't get the opportunity. I guess people just don't think that we can do that. It's a man's job. Uh, you know, it's a very white male predom uh, dominated, you know, uh, departments in general. So um, there's a lot of that. There's just not a lot of opportunity. So what I hope is like when I work on stuff, I try to hire as many like black cinematographers or camera operators or, you know, gimbal operators or just so we can start to create some conversation around that like hey we, we can do the job too um so that's what i'm seeing on the crew side like we're not really getting a lot of the same opportunities i think they always kind of put us in the box and tell us to go to this department or this department um and we can do more than just you know what people would think so we can we we're strong too you know what i mean like we can handle a, a heavy camera we can do that too so <laughs> okay i actually you know looking for a video i'm like why can't i find a woman at the video i keep meeting all these men like where are the women at it's really hard. I feel like it's it a is. small bunch of us, but I like having these conversations because now I've met you and I'm meeting all of 
you all. So now I have access to film. If I ever want to do anything, I know women and I know women of color that can, I can reach out to. What about you, Estee, since you actually have a film company? So it's like, <laughs> you're the boss, you're in charge now, but I'm pretty sure you used to be on the other side too. Have you seen anything that you can give your um, I I have to agree with Naraya. It is very hard to find that female DP. Um, one of my goals is for one of my projects is to have all persons of color at one point, one of my projects to have an all female crew or at least above the line crew. Um, you know, that, that's the goal of mine to, to actually have a, a crew that women of color, that's my goal. So, um, it's definitely hard to find, um, it's definitely hard to find. So, um, in fact, you know, I, I, I just, I, I've got a project coming up now. I need to probably get it in the riot when this is over <laughs> and, uh, see if we can work something out. <laughs> yeah. Let me know. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> this is what I love networking. I don't know about you all, but sometimes men can sometimes make me feel so comfortable and it's like gosh it's like when you're normally the only woman like in a particular dominated field you know it's all they they don't have a problem reminding you that you're a woman no you're a woman and it's like i get it but i still have talent as well treat me as equal now what do you all think is causing the lack of representation of women of color in film entertainment music and arts is it because there's lack of writers and directors who are people of color or because the industry is heavily dominated by men. Yeah, um, I, I think it's because, you know, it's always been straight white men and that's just what everyone is used to. Um, I also wanted to mention that I, I find that when I'm on set sometimes, especially, um, and my actors will do it too. They'll look to the DP because I typically have a male DP and they'll look to the DP with their questions instead of asking me as the director or producer. And it's simply because I'm a woman. They, you know, and, and um, I really don't think they do it intentionally. It's just like ingrained. Yeah, we know you're the one writing the checks, but you know, this male DP over here, you know, we're gonna ask him what what to do because we just don't have the confidence in you as a woman and as a black woman. Mm -hmm. So I think black women have that double whammy other than any other minority being a woman and being black. We are the low price spread. You know, and it's kind of, it's kind of hard, but, and men have a hard time taking direction from women as well. So mm -hmm. you have that aspect too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just to add on to what she said is just like, mm -hmm. I had a very similar situation where I actually was the director um, and I had my gaffer, um, who you know, white male, and I had the similar thing where people were more like going to him and taking command from him and I'm like technically like 
I wrote this, I'm directing it, like, you know, so I've had that similar situation, um, 100% to the, uh, like you said, it may not even be intentional, but yeah, just people think like, oh, this person, um, I need to be taking command from this person in particular. It's like, why, why is that? Why, why is that happening? What is that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you all feel like as a society here, we are trained to believe that white men are imperial to everybody else, even if they don't have the qualifications, why would they feel more comfortable going to him? He may not even know anything. It could be just the third day on the job. In a lot of those situations, you have heard women's stories, especially on Twitter and TikTok now, where they're like, you know, I have this coworker. They don't know anything. <laughs> they're getting all the credit because they keep coming to me for help, asking questions, but they're the one getting all the credit. Have you all experienced anything like that? Especially, Yari, I know you are Mexican as well, and we know that there's not much representation for women of color also in your industry. That's why you have those separate platforms where they're able to. It's kind of like, do you feel like it's segregated, Yari? I think like what what I've noticed is like there's like the Netflix Instagram and then there's like the Netflix there's like a for like Latino shows Instagram like it's separate and um it's it's interesting that it would be separate I get maybe from like a marketing perspective they're trying to like narrow down on their target population but um it is weird like it is strange I do think there's been like improvements in representation um but I think I mean, I think there's still a long way to go. And I think like mistakes will be made along the way and have been made along the way in terms of, you know, like um, like representing Mexicans or Latino folks in like this very stereotypical light. And I think it's gotten a lot better, but um, yeah. Like I think the more like honest and like diverse representation there is because even within like and you know, I'm sure you guys can relate to this too, even within like a, you know, certain ethnic community, like there's so many different experiences and there's so many like different types of people. And like one story isn't going to apply to everyone just because it's like, oh, it's a Latino story or it's a black story or it's an Asian story. Like it's not gonna apply to the whole community, but it does help to hear them. And it really helps when it's like, when we're the ones writing them or we're the ones like voicing those stories because it's coming from us and it's coming from like our lived experiences and it's it's coming from a place of like us finally being able to like not just use our voice but like have it be heard too versus like having someone else tell the story for us um Mm -hmm. so I think I think sometimes it it can I think the approach sometimes goes I guess south Um, in terms of what you were asking, Kayla, if it's like segregating, but I think, um, I think it'll get worked out further on. Like, I think it'll come from a place of like, just having more people share their stories and even, and like having folks that aren't necessarily from that population, like aren't Latino or aren't black or aren't Asian, like watch those stories too, or read them or listen to them. And like, that'll also help with like, I hope with like stereotypes because I think a lot of stereotypes and a lot of like hate comes from like fear and that fear comes from ignorance and the more stories we have out there that come from us like the more information is out there and more representation versus like misrepresentation of our stories. Mm -hmm. You made a great point too about everybody has different stories you know for example 
I know me being a black woman, I know the smell of a hot comb from being a little girl and my grandmother getting the hot comb ready. So if you're having a movie and you're talking about, you know, the hot comb smell, the only person that's really going to understand that experience is probably a person that's black. Even I'm pretty sure for y'all, I'm pretty sure there are particular dishes that you all cook and there's a movie. The only person that can actually write from that experience is probably a person of that descent. So you need writers that's actually writing based off the experience. It's kind of hard for a white woman to talk about the smell of a hot comb unless she grew up in a black family home. So those are really, really important. Having people behind the scenes who are actually writing based off the experiences. So when these black actors or these Hispanic actors, they get these roles, okay, they feel more relatable. You know, a lot of actors say, oh, I, I need to change this script. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a black woman. It doesn't seem like a, a Mexican woman. That's because we have people that are writing these stories, but they never lived it. So if we have more representation, you all. Do you all think that would definitely help, especially when it comes in the writer's room? hundred percent. I, I preach this all the time. I'm like, anytime I see a show that's predominantly black or predominantly any ethnicity, I immediately go to IMDb and I'm like, but who made it though? Let me see. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, I'm still seeing that it's like, oh, two old white guys. I'm like, how? What? What? So it is still an issue, like you said, um, but there are, to that point, there are some shows that are getting so much better about that. Um, the, the one that comes to mind is This Fool. I love that show. It's so good. And, um, you know, it's, you know, predominantly Mexican. And when I went to look at who was making it, they were like legit all Mexican. I was like, love that. And it's such a good show. And I'm like, that's probably why it's it's amazing. Cause it's like, it, you know, they're making their content and like, it's great. It's on Hulu, highly recommend. So good. Um, so yeah, I, I'm an advocate for that. We need to be telling our own, our own stories. I don't even understand how no one, I mean, it's not even just like white people in general. Like I can't write, you know, a Mexican. So like, I don't know anything about that culture that I didn't come up that way. So in general, just like a general statement, you know, I just feel like we all need to be a part of making our own stories. Not to say that we can't collaborate. I'm not saying like white people are not allowed in these writer rooms, but like it should definitely be, we should have like all the different perspectives. So like you said, like, no Mexican. Okay. But then you get like male female, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a different religion, maybe a different sexual orientation, maybe a different age, like consider, you know, one the disability, one, you know, neurodivergent or just all the different things to like, just cover that. And then it could be like a collaborative thing, but a hundred percent, we need to be telling our stories, period. It just, it just makes sense to do it that way. Cause we can only speak to it um, the best way that we can. So. Mm -hmm. That was a great, great point. Even you see a lot of times these, um, I don't know if you all remember that, <laughs> LeBron James did that magazine cover and uh, it just went viral and I think he was holding a, um, a, a white woman and it looked like he was just a big black monster and it just went viral. Everybody was like, who in their right mind over there like approved this? Like they could not have had anybody who was in that room that let that go through. Like it, a lot of people were offended by that. So when you don't have people in these rooms and things get out and people are offended, even the situation, I think it was a um, something where they had a little boy and he had a monkey shirt on, H&M. And everybody's like, who let this out? And then when you look at it, there was nobody of color in those rooms involved and say, hey, we can't let that out. So I think that was a great, great, great point made. Now, I know in order for a lot of artists to reach mainstream success, they are heavily encouraged to forget their roots and become more Americanized. You know, we see a lot of times where a lot of artists who are of Spanish, descent when they want to actually progress they always tell them well you have to stop singing in spanish you gotta come more americanized you know you gotta 
dye your hair and things like that. Yari, do you feel like the representation of the Latinos have improved? And how and what does the community need to do for you all to feel more accepted and respected for their art? I think it has improved. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier, like it can, it still has a long way to go. Um, I think there are definitely like Americanized Latinos, but I think like it's, it gets, it gets kind of dicey when like you're favoring the Americanized ones and kind of putting down the more traditional ones. Um, I think for artists of color or especially Hispanic artists to feel like accepted and respected, they just need to be invited into these like spaces um, to like talk about their work, to write about it, to show it more often. And not just, I mean, not just show it, not just be in there, like actually be given the chance to speak and like have dialogues with them and you know, that kind of thing. I think another thing I would ask, um, like I guess the people that are more established and already in these spaces is like to ask themselves, like would you ask this many questions or ask for this many credentials or ask for so much like proof of like qualification from like a white artist or from a white male or, you know, and if they do, fine. But as long as, you know, like you're not like, as for people to like check their, check their like prejudices, I guess. And, you know, not put like artists of color through more like, what's the word? Like, like heavy vetting, basically. Yeah, like having to make, thank you, Naraya. Like, you know, like making them like prove themselves more than like they would ask someone else to. I think that's also something to consider. Now, thinking back to your experiences in your industry or just the workplace altogether, have you all ever felt fully accepted for you? Or do you feel like in order to truly fit into these spaces where it is populated by mainly whites, you have to code switch? Because, oh gosh, <laughs> it's got to the point I've stopped, just gave up. I can't, I can't fake it too much longer. I just be myself. I don't know. I, for a long time, I did like shapeshift depending on who I was in the room with. Because to your point that you said earlier, Kayla, like the uncomfortableness when you're the only woman, and then to add to that, the only black woman, and then to add to that again, the only young black woman in the room. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's like, let me sit up straighter. Let me, let me, you know, pronounce every syllable when I talk. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I have a little bit of that because I'm from California. So obviously like I sound like a Californian, but like, yeah, I've, I've definitely gotten to the point where I want to present myself and I only want to work with people that vibe with me. So like in order for that to happen, I have to present my authentic self. I don't want to be acting a certain way. That person connects to this person with the mask. And now every time I come in, I got to be that person. Like that's exhausting and it strips kind of your identity. So yeah, I've also gotten to the point where it's just like, it is what it is. This is, this is me, <laughs> like take it or leave it. Um, if you don't vibe with it, like that's totally fine. But I'm glad that, you know, I presented myself and I can see up front, like if this is something that uh, is gonna be like an issue for you, for me to be who I am. And if it is, like, I don't wanna work with that person anyway, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, it's easy to lose yourself, especially most jobs where it can go on like over eight hours or you're there all day pretending to be somebody. By the time you get home, you're exhausted because you put on this mask all day. I know there's a time when when you talked about being the youngest person out of a job, there we also experience being just based off our young. They always feel like you don't know much or you don't have the qualifications. And I've even had someone tell me, um, we don't feel like you're right for this position because um, due to your age, I was like, but I have this 
experience. Then they went on to say, it's your accent because I'm from the South. I do have an accent. I, I, I can't turn it off. I've tried, but it, it's just stuck here. And it's so funny because after that manager left, he ended up getting fired. Anyways, another manager came and I ended up getting in a supervisor position just based off my qualifications, not my age, not my accent or anything. So I think that was very, very important. What about you, um, S.A. and Yari? Do you all have any take on that also? Yeah, I think I definitely, um, I still code switch, to be honest. And like Naraya was saying, it's exhausting like to do that like all day. Um, and I guess like I didn't even realize I was doing it until like I met someone that um, I felt, and I meant this might sound kind of messed up, but I felt like safe not code switching around and like just felt comfortable being myself. And I just like noticed like how like more, how much more relaxed I was and like how much more of myself was coming through. And like I formed like a more authentic connection with them than I did with like anyone else prior to that because I had been code switching the whole time. But I think like, I mean, it's, it's tough because, um, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, you, to know that you can get to a point where you're just over it and you can just be yourself. But there are still times where I'm like, like I think about it in like my wardrobe. I'm like, well, I can't wear a V-neck cause I don't want like people to think I look like trashy. Or if I do, like I can't wear my hoops or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so like, there's uh, all these little things that I feel like I think about sometimes and I, I don't know. Like just hearing you guys talk about it gives me a lot of encouragement. I, I understand. I like I've taken my hoops. I've been on interviews. So I'm like, let me put in my studs on my purse because on my hoops, you know, they can be small hoops like this. You know, it's always a stereotype when they think of hoops. But these are kind of based off the negative um, things that they show in the films a lot of times. But this is our culture. What I learned, this is our culture. You know, we want to wear big hooves and our style. This is who we are. So we have to learn. I guess they have to learn how to accept us. What about you, S.A.? Do you have any um, experiences? Well, for me, I think because I'm older now, I really don't give up. But, uh, <laughs> yes. um, you know, I, you're going to take me as I am or, you know, not take me at all. So um, I haven't had the experience of being in the rooms, you know, in, in, in the decision making rooms yet because I've been doing my own thing. And um, so I've been the yes person. Uh, but I'm confident enough in myself, in my talent and in my material that when I do get into decision-making rooms, I can still be the same essay. I'm, I'm not going to put on airs. I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not. This is who I am. This is my project. Take it or leave it. You know, we can negotiate and go from there. But I just think that comes from being on the older, and you know, the, the older end of the bracket. And, you know, just having lived a little life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm getting there now. Like, you know, that kind of lead, that was perfect lead into my next question. Like, how do we stay true to ourselves as women of color in these settings, but still remain professional? That's the key word, professional. Anytime you are a little bit more assertive or anything, they always use the word aggressive. So how do we stay true in these settings, but still come off as professional by getting our point across? 
I think just by being, like you said, just being professional, mm-hmm. being your authentic self. Um, people get caught up in facades and it's hard to keep up with your lies if you're not being who you are. And eventually your true person, your true self is going to shine through. So you might as well just walk in with who you are. <laughs> yes. That's a good, I always say, sometimes people can't even remember their lies. And if you're a smart person like me, I remember all your lies. So just be yourself. Yeah. yeah. I have I have, a, I have a question that goes with that for everyone. I'm just curious. Like, what do you guys deem as professional? Because I've learned that professional means something different to everybody. Like, for example, like, my braids like at one point like I was told that this wasn't professional for work like having like colored braids like if I had blue or something but like I would have like cohorts that you know white cohorts that would come in with rainbow hair like that was fine but like for me to have braids and have like blue or something in my hair like that wasn't professional but again what does that have to do with my work ethic and like my skill sets and my knowledge so um and then even going back to your point Kelly with your southern accent like even with your southern accent like I perceive you as very professional you know what I mean but like like you said there was someone at some point that thought that that wasn't professional so I'm just curious on if you guys feel like there is a definitive definition on that because yeah I just feel like it's hard to be professional when it depending on who you're talking to the professional definition kind of changes that's a good question. Wow. I guess I guess I look at professionalism of I treat people how I would want people to treat my business, for example. So, you know, if I'm trying to get my point across, I make sure I say it in a way where I'm not coming off disrespectful, but you understand that I mean business. So I would expect someone to say that to me. So I kind of go through it like I'm going to talk to them the way I would want somebody to talk to me when it comes to my business. Yeah, professional. I'm still working on that. That's because <laughs> I feel like being a woman in this industry, I deal with a lot of men, a lot of, you know, hip hop industry guys, and a lot of these PR people, they're men, and, you know, they can really try to disrespect you. So I really have to be assertive and let them know, like, you cannot play with me because I feel like once you don't set your boundaries, doesn't matter if you're talking to anybody of any color when it comes to a man, they would definitely feel like they can disrespect you. So I always, I don't really care what they think of me. I don't care if they think, oh, she's bossy, but I have to let people know you have to respect my business and my brand. If I don't put my foot down now, everybody's going to feel like they can just disrespect me and everything I work hard for. Yeah, that's true. You you teach people how to treat you by, mm-hmm. by what, you, what you accept and what you don't accept. So... You know, that's a big piece of it. And as far as I'm concerned, if you look at it as aggressive or bossy, that's on you. Mm -hmm. I'm just setting up my boundaries and telling you what I will and will not tolerate. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think professionalism, I think there's like an elitist view of it. Um, which sounds a lot like what Naraya was describing, like you have to look a certain way or you can't have your hair this way or like if, I don't know, I I don't agree with that view. I think um, it has a lot more to do with how you treat people, how you get your work done. Um, I think professionalism lies in like an an integrity too. It's like if you say you're going to do something, like you do it, um, which goes along with boundaries um, as well as like, like self-respect too um like if someone 
tries to cross those boundaries, like also just telling them like, you know, no, like that's not how we're going to do things. And, you know, standing your ground and knowing, I guess, like having that belief in yourself too, um, even if like someone else wants to challenge it. Um, and yeah, being respectful, I think, you know, and if someone's trying to be disrespectful to you, like knowing that it's not disrespectful to tell them like, you know, that you're not going to accept that treatment. Mm -hmm. I loved all those questions and all of that to me is professional. So <laughs> that's well, what I, was like. I was curious to know, like, it sounds like we're all pretty much on that same, you know, page as far as like, it's respect, it's consideration for other people's time and energy and, and labor for whatever we came together for. Um, I would deem myself professional for that reason. Like when I, when you're on my set, like we're going to be on, we're going to, you know, be on time as much as possible. Of course things happen, but like, you know, I'm not going to ever be lackadaisical. And if I say we're going to, we're going to be here from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Like we're wrapping at 8 p.m. regardless. Like, you know what I mean? Cause like, I respect your time. We all have families, we have things to do. We might have school tomorrow. We might have work tomorrow. So, you know, just respecting the human in people is what I think is professionalism <laughs> because coming from, you know, both corporate and, you know, uh, freelance background, it's like, that's what I found is like a lot of my bosses were just treating us like workhorses. And I don't think that that's professional. Um, so. I think it has different definitions, but definitely comes back to just respect, consideration, kindness, um, and just always seeing people as human. I think that's professional. So that's how I would uh, be and those are basic things that you would think that everyone would have, those things that they teach you in kindergarten. <laughs> you know, I have a nine-year-old, so I teach her manners. Yes, ma'am. You know, clean up the behind yourself, you know, respect. But a lot of people, a lot of adults, especially in these corporate jobs and workforces, they don't have any type of home training is the word. <laughs> home training so that is a, a big point now studies show that women of color pay is less than many of their counterparts who have the same title but we are expected to work harder for less many women worldwide have increasingly become their own bosses still there are hurdles when banks are even known to illegally discriminate against people of color how do we stand our ground demand respect without coming off as aggressive that was something that we talked about earlier when we are in situations where we are being discriminated against towards now that's actually i guess you came across an article about this where i think a bank even got in trouble with this where it shows that they were you know not giving people of color the loans based off their race so what are you all thinking about that i think um, kind of like what we've all just said, I think it's just being consistent and persistent with what your mission is and your purpose is and not really letting that dictate what your decision is going to be on how you run your business or how you follow your dreams. <laughs> so like, I know that me being a younger black woman is going to be an issue for some, but I'm not going to necessarily adjust my approach just because of that. Um, so I think just standing, like, like we were saying with boundaries, standing your ground on your boundaries. You know, this is how I want to run my business. Actually, I just, I have a hilarious story. I just thought about this just happened. It's the most recent thing. Okay. So someone uh, DM'd me for cinematography services and young black male, um, you know, won't say names, but uh, he's wasn't famous, but I guess he had a little something going on. He had some followers, whatever. And he's like, Hey, you know, you know, wanting to inquire about my cinematography services. So I was like, sure, you know, if you can just go to this link and like, you know, get on my calendar, cause I, I'm super busy as you can imagine. So like, you know, just, just, you know, book off some time, you know, and then, you know, I'll carve out that 30 minutes, an hour to just talk with you. Like, that's just how I have to organize my day. Like, I'm not trying to be like high status, like, oh, you got to book something with me. It's just like, genuinely, this is how I have to do it because I have so much, like I'm running my daughter to ballet. I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. So 
when you do that, okay, I can organize my day. It's like, you know, it's nothing like bougie about that. I just, that, that's how I have to do it. Like his response was literally like, oh, I don't work that way. Google me, like this could have been a big thing for you. Sorry, like good luck. I'm like, <laughs> he was like thoroughly offended that I asked him. Yeah, and like, I'm sorry, sir. Like, you contacted me. Like, <laughs> like basically coming from a point of like, you know, I'm I'm big-ish, basically. You know, and I'm just like, again, it's the boundary thing. I, I set a boundary for myself that if people want to talk to me, like, I'm more than happy. But like, you, you know, I, I have to block off time to do that with you because I'm so busy. So that's my boundary. And it's like, you know, I want that to be respected. So I, him doing that just lets me know you don't, you're not going to respect my time. I don't want to collaborate with you because you're not going to respect my time. And and I would do that for you. I would respect your time. Like, and and it's like any other thing. If you go make an appointment with the doctor, I mean, of course there's walk-ins, but you get what I, you get my point. Like yes. if you're to go see a specialist, you can't just walk in and be like, my leg hurts. Like, no, you got to make an appointment. Yes. <laughs> They're seeing other people. Late, you have to pay a deposit. That's yeah, even what gotta... I was doing with my show. Like you, I'm yes. sitting waiting for you. And you're yeah. not here. You have a PR, you have management. Nobody told you the time. So yeah. when I started saying, okay, if you want to be back on, you need a deposit. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're charging. Yes, I have bills and electricity. And this is how I keep it on. It's your it was time. Money. <laughs> it's your time. And you can't get your time back. Time is super valuable. So anyway, so without going on too long about that. But yeah, so that was something that happened recently. So, and, and normally that would really get to me like, oh, no, well, let me... Uh, now I'm like, well, it is what it is next. Like, you know, I mean, because like I said, I want to work with people that respect my time and, and I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to respect people that I work with. So I think just standing your ground, because I could have, I could have bowed down and be like, well, wait, let me see what I can do. No, I blocked him and kept it moving. I was like, it'll be other clients. Like, you know, so I think as long as we keep, you know, just standing in our, in our truth and in our boundaries and not wavering, like, I think that eventually... Um, as we just continue to be stronger and stuff like that, um, that'll go away because people will start to understand like, oh, okay, like women ain't playing no more. <laughs> like we, we, you know, we can't just toss them around like we used to. No, you cannot, like we're done. We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> and I always use an example. One thing I said before, and people hate when I say this, I always say, um, treat me how you would treat that man over there. Don't think that you can treat me this way and be late and, and be really disrespectful to me because I'm a woman because you would not dare treat that man over there that way because you know that another man will probably check you for disrespecting them so when i started doing that it's like okay yeah now you know like you have to treat us all as equals because you wouldn't you wouldn't talk to that man over there that does the same thing that you do any type of way but you would talk to the woman you would get upset by her prices and her standards and stuff i've noticed that a lot in this industry when it comes to just movies or, or music treating women feeling like you can talk to women in a type of way, but you would not talk to a man that type of way. Cause you know, they, it would not probably go in a good way. We all have goals we set for ourselves to be successful and make more money. It's hustle culture hurting us as a community. Many of us have other responsibilities, school, families, some are single parents, owning our own business and brand. What is your take on hustle culture and have you experienced it? Yes, I have experienced it. Um, I think, I think it's glorified, over glorified for sure. I think there's, there's definitely value in hard work and like seeing someone with like such a hard, you know, like such this like large work ethic that like they're willing to like do whatever 
needs to be done for to make their dream come true. But I think like going back to what Naraya mentioned about like seeing the human in people, it definitely forgets the human in people and forgets to like acknowledge that like people need to take breaks. People have like lives and families and like if you know our families may not all look the same, but like we still need to like save part of ourselves for like um, the people we care about and for ourselves too, like self care and all of that. Like it seems like that's all just kind of tossed out the window when we talk mm -hmm. about hustle culture sometimes. And I mean, I say that also having like experienced it and, you know, been, you know, gone through it and like maybe not taking the best care of myself or not like been the best version of myself or like my family or my friends or myself. But I think, um, yeah, like I think we can learn a bit from hustle culture and like working hard and that, but like we need to take a break and like, you know, remember that we're human beings and that other people are human beings and just not hold ourselves to such a harsh standard. Mm -hmm. Yes, everybody needs a vacation. Sometimes I tell people, just turn off your phone or do not disturb. Shut down your email when nobody reaches you. If yeah. you feel like, okay, you're going to crash and burn. Yeah, and when you're off, like you're off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Naraya and SA? Yeah, I'll just add everything. Um, Everything that was just said was amazing. Uh, the only thing I'm going to add is, I think where that comes from is the whole like pick yourself up by the bootstraps bullcrap thing. So I think that's to blame for that, I guess. Um, like you said, over glorification of like hustle culture. But I also think it comes from um, in the BIPOC community in general, like we we really don't have a choice. Like we have to because we're desperately trying to play catch up. We're desperately trying to get into the room we're desperately trying to be seen as equal so it's almost like we don't have a choice like no one i don't think any of us and you know correct me if i'm wrong but i know i didn't wake up and say like oh okay for the rest of my life i'm gonna like kill myself trying to get to my dream okay and go like like you know what I mean? it's just like as i discovered that this is what i wanted to do I've just found myself working harder and harder and harder and overloading and overloading and overloading. And it's like, I still go through that now. Like I have to remind myself like, oh, like I have to uh, stop and like eat. Like, oh, I didn't even eat today. Like I do that today. So um, that's what I always try to figure out like how to just, it's like autopilot for me personally. Like that's just my go-to. Like I wake up, first thing I do is like check my email. Like, okay, what I got, okay, let me do it. Like that's my brain. That's just how it works for some reason. And it's not healthy. So I'm still to this day working on that, not being that workaholic because I feel like if I don't work, me and my daughter's not gonna eat. And like, that's not a really healthy place to operate from like that um, survival mode, I guess we'll call it like survival mode. And that's what it feels like. That's what hustle culture feels like, feels like, wake up okay go 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 you know survive go like we're in a burning house or something and that's why i said like i get it i get why it became like trendy and yeah of course like you know wake up and go get it i get that but again remember the human part of it too like we have to take a break we have to breathe we can't always be on um and i struggle with that too like i'm always on um staying up till three in the morning editing or something like so i struggle with it too so Mm -hmm. Even now, I went and had two hours of sleep last night from editing, but I remember, I know a lot of times in this industry, things always go wrong, and I'm one of those people where I'm an emotional person, so if something doesn't go wrong, I mean, go right, I just, I get emotionally, like, I start crying, and when I found myself, like, okay, I'm doing too much, I'm working a job, I'm trying to do this show, I have a daughter, 
and it was getting too much, I shut down my calendar for months. I absolutely did. I shut it down for a month. I let everybody know I went on vacation. And actually, I'm just really getting back in the groove because I felt like, okay, I'm doing all of this and I'm not taking care of my mental health. Like, sometimes you just need to just sit in your room and just watch a good show and just read a book or something and just spend time with your family. Because even though we're working hard, it's like, let's enjoy us as well so we can appreciate what we're working for that makes sense yeah what about you SA do you relate to the whole hustle culture um I do um there's a a uh African proverb that I learned as a young child and it it kind of goes like you know every morning a lion wakes up and he knows that if he does not outrun no, if he does not, yeah, outrun uh, the slowest gazelle, he's going to die. Then there's a gazelle who wakes up every morning and knows that if he does not outrun the fastest lion, he's going to die. So it doesn't matter if you're the lion or the gazelle. You need to get up running. <laughs> and that's just something that I was taught and you're, you know... You go, 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 but I've learned that if you don't sit down, your body will sit you down. Mm -hmm. So I suggest you take some self-care and some time for yourself because if you don't, your body will. It can mm -hmm. only do so much. Mm -hmm. But I, I had to learn that the hard way. So again, you know, I feel like I'm the the mother hen on this call mm -hmm. and um i don't mind saying that you gotta take care of yourself mm -hmm. yeah. or it'll it'll all come crashing down mm -hmm. i know i'll catch headaches and stuff i remember i was going to this place where like i had a show i spent this money and the videographer he didn't do what he was supposed to do i paid him so now i gotta i gotta get aggressive with you because now i paid you you didn't do your job you know? so now i gotta come off as that aggressive girl and then you know this going on and this going on i said oh this is too much i started getting migraines you know i get my here go the headache something's not right so i told myself i have to shut your body will definitely tell you sit down and I'm too young to be going through that. So once I kind of made myself do that, I've set time for me, mommy time, me time. Like I've even I've already shut my calendar down for October. I've already let people know, do not contact me. I'm unavailable. And I think it, it helps balance work life, work life balance. That's the word I'm going for. Work life balance. Yes. And then also you guys know with social media now especially during the pandemic, people are kind of showing um, everyday life with me. So everybody's doing these videos, only 30 seconds where they're putting it in there, like they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. And it's making everybody else think, okay, well, I have to run three or four businesses just to keep up with this person. And do you all think that's part of it too? Like social media is kind of taking a toll on our mental health based off what other people are doing? I think influencers, or like even, I love a great motivational speaker. I always say Les Brown got me where I am today. Like, because when I was down in the dumps, I listened to him every morning, but there's, so it's not everyone, but some of them are 
being a little too um, utopian when they say like, like for example, when she said that African proverb, I thought about, I can't think of his name, but it's a, he's a big motivational speaker. And uh, he always talks about like, you know, you gotta get up like, you know, 4 a.m. And because, you know, like it, it's 20 other people that's trying to get to where you trying to get to. So it's like, it is like kind of this race that feels, it feels like that. It feels exactly like what, you know, Lion and Gazelle, like I gotta get up and go, 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 because there's like 20 other people trying to get to the same finish line that I'm trying to get to. Oh shoot, you know what I mean? And I can't rest because as soon as I rest, the other dudes are gonna pass me. Like that's really what it feels like. And I know a lot of motivational speakers that will get on social media or, you know, have that viral video 20 seconds talking about how, you know, you gotta get up and go because 10 other people is coming behind you. And that's not healthy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not. It's just not no. happy to wake up with that in your in your body like oh god i gotta go and uh to your point about the wake up and here's what i do in my day that makes me feel very unproductive um when i see stuff like i'm like oh dang like man you can actually get a workout in in the morning oh man uh you meditated <laughs> dang i wish i could have time to meditate like yeah so i think it makes us second guess um ourselves and um, for me i know it makes me second guess myself on my productivity or like am i working hard enough dang i need to go harder like that's kind of what seeing that social media stuff but to that point i don't go on social media <laughs> i just stopped because it's it's super toxic and you know instagram is the highlights so i've learned to stop looking at that as like oh i'm missing out on something or i'm not being my best or it's the highlights like everybody's going through something no one's perfect like of course, they, of course their page looks great because why would they post like Oh, today I was super depressed. Uh, like, no, they're not gonna post that. Like, they're gonna post a trip to Paris or something, you know? So I've learned to like take that with a grain of salt, but I really try not to be on there unless it's for strictly business purposes and networking or something. But I just stay off of it because yeah, it's super toxic. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think the pandemic definitely played a part on it. Everybody was home, everybody's trying to get creative and use this content. I think it's great also, but I think we also saw a lot of people that were suffering mentally you know, times change. A lot of people lost their jobs and, you know, they was letting people off. So you saw that side of it where, okay, everything's not okay. And I think most people relate more to that. Like, okay, everything's not okay. Or that, that lady over there, she has children and she's still able to push through that motivates me. Okay. Everything's going to be okay. So I always try to lead, follow more realistic people and I always try to be more realistic on my show. Um, give people the straight, straight shot. So as we get close to the end of the panel discussion, I want to end it on a positive note. What progress has been made and how will you contribute to the progress for women of color as far as creating jobs, volunteering, attending marches, et cetera? In terms of like the progress that's been made, I think I def like, sometimes I am the only woman of color, but not always. And I think like anytime I've been in a position where like I've, like needed to advocate for myself, but like just didn't have the energy to, or like didn't feel like I could, um, like a woman of color has been there to like help advocate for me. And I think like, that's really encouraging to me. And I feel like that's, um, that's progress from like not having someone there to advocate for you. And I think like, I think about that a lot in terms of like how I'll contribute, like I, because there was a time where I like removed myself from like the arts and trying to get into like a job in the arts because I felt like I was the only one. But um, now seeing like other women, you know, and knowing that there's others, you know, in this industry and um, trying to do the same thing I am and having been helped by, you know, folks like me, like it, 
makes me think like, okay, like if I stay here, like I can be that person to help like the next person, you know, to help like the next like youngin that wants to come in and like feels like they can't because they don't see enough people like them in the room. Um, I think like a lot of what we talked about too, like staying true to ourselves and like for me, like setting boundaries, standing my ground, um, leading by example and just being there when like someone else needs it. Um, even if it's just like in the little, like even if it's not like, oh, like going out and like marching and doing that kind of thing, even though those things are like super important too, like um, being there for folks like around you when they need you is important too. Yeah, it's a very point, y'all. What about you, Mariah, and NSA? I'll say um, something positive that I'm seeing uh, on the corporate side, which I'm actually really surprised about, is the <coughs> consideration for our mental health. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm actually seeing a lot of organizations that have like a um, like when we have like paid time off, like our PTO, and it'll be a section that's like mental health day or something like that. So not everyone but i have seen a lot of companies that are that are saying hey like unlimited pto like use it how you want like if you just need a mental break like you could take that you know we're not going to question that at all and being able to say hey go to your boss and not you know like sometimes like that i feel like back then definitely you'd be like oh uh, you know i'm sick but really you just need a mental health day but you got to play like you're sick or something so now i could just say y'all like i'm burning out and and like companies are doing better at being like hey like go take that time for yourself like um so that's something positive that I'm seeing and we can now have conversations about work-life balance and being able to demand that from the C-suites and saying, hey, like take into, into consideration like my scheduling, like especially now that we're working from home and stuff like that. So um, those conversations start happening more in the corporate world, which is good, but corporate America still has a long way to go as well. Um, and then more on um, for like my company and stuff, it's actually in my mission statement. Like I'm very passionate about um, when you're on my set, you're human first, period. Like, you know what I mean? And everyone is important. Um, I wanna make sure everyone's voice is heard all the way down to the PA. I'm not someone that is on set and I treat my PAs like they're peasants. Like, no, um, I want their opinion to matter. Even even if you just got our lunch today, like I want you to still feel like you played a huge role because you did, because if we don't eat, like we're not gonna get nothing done because we're all gonna be the whole thing here and we're gonna be pissed off and we're gonna be irritated and we're not gonna be able to. So like, even though you're just getting lunch, like you're still very important to the team and I want people to feel that way. So that's kind of like my mission um, and how to give back. And of course, inviting as much BIPOC community. Um, when I'm building my camera departments, I wanna you know hire those you know black women because no one hires them. Um, like I said, the whole Metroplex in Atlanta, I only know five of us. There's only five of us out here. So I try to like invite as many as possible and uh, help, you know, give any advice or um, give any knowledge that I've gained. Like I'm always just trying to give away as much knowledge because knowledge is power, you know. So if I can even just give you that, like that makes me feel good. But yeah, just making sure that when you're on my set, it's not a toxic environment is how I try to, you know, facilitate that growth, hopefully. Uh, you know, if I ever get to the top, top, that'll transfer and uh, that'll just become the norm, you know? So that's my hope. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And what about you, F.A.? Well, I, I like that mental health is taking a, a front seat. Um, like she said, you know, people are able to take mental health days. Um, Companies are, I mean, where I work, we have a meditation hour every week and we actually, um, 
not hour, but 30 minutes, but a meditation break where we actually shut everything down. And if you so desire, you go and do a meditation, you know? So, um, that's just where I work. And, and, and as I become my own boss, that's definitely something I want to add to, um, my benefits. Um, but I think mental health is really important and it's really starting to get attention in the black community. And that's important as well because it always, it hasn't always been that way. And just as important as your physical aspects, your mental aspect is, I dare I say more important because where your head goes, your body goes. So, you know, um, just taking care of that mental health and, and that, that inner being is, is extremely important. And I think that's something that's improving within the black community. So that's something, that's a positive improvement that I see. Yes. And I guess some progress that I see also, I see that there used to be a time where women had to wait on a man to give them the opportunity, but now we are creating our own brands and businesses and we are going out there and becoming entrepreneurs and we are creating these opportunities for ourselves and I know one of my main goals is to hopefully you know whenever I, I I'm going to speak universally if I have a national talk show I want to make sure I have a, a a woman as a director you know I want to have a, a women all around me so that I'm able to apply jobs for them and even with a lot of artists a lot of the women artists that I have on my show and interview with them I always try to speak highly of them and I always try to recommend them to this person just to help them out because I already know that in this feel especially music men are already dominated and a lot of these women you normally have to portray yourself in a sexual manner just to get attention so I always try to speak highly of them and just make sure you know I give them opportunities if I need a theme song I reach out to them and just making it so we all can work together because we all are women and I just feel like it's not a time where men no longer run the world we are also making moves and running the world for ourselves too so I see a lot of progress still with a lot of work to do but I'm so proud of all of us like I went to a conference of women of color and it was just so many amazing women in there and they was just talking about directors and, and, and um, what's called the black girl in conference I went and it was just so many amazing women in there and the woman that threw it she was a black woman and the woman that actually gave me the opportunity to do media you know she's a black woman so there were so many women in there and they just all had things going on for themselves. And when you're around other women like that too, you can kind of see, okay, there's progress. And we see that now just being on this panel, how we all came together to have this conversation. We all have different backgrounds, but we were all able to understand each other. Now, as we close it out, you all let us know about yourself and what you do and how can we check out your work? We're gonna start with you, Naraya. Yeah, um, so working on, a, I got a couple of shorts that I'm on right now, um, a couple of passion projects and then a couple um, scripts that I just signed on to. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, pretty much my website, carriesproductions.com and then on Instagram, carries underscore productions. Um, I pretty much keep that pretty updated as far as like I have blogs and I have um, any like tidbits or advice or anything like that. I try to share in my blog and stuff and make it educational or help share resources and things like that um yeah and just like sharing like 
challenges or like what inspires me and things like that. So my Instagram is probably the best, the best bet for, for you to go. And then my website, I have my blog and stuff. So yeah, that's where you can find me. And I've been to your blog too. It's set up so nicely. And what about you, Yate? Um, so the things I have going on, um, September 14th, I'm shooting my last set of scenes for my film anthology. Um, September 30th, I am shooting uh, the interviews for my podcast called 10th and Northside. Um, and then I'm starting some live brunch shows where I'm doing a one woman show uh, and a brunch in November. So got, got, got a lot going on. Mm. Um, but you can reach me, um, my Facebook and my IG. They're both writer S a Brown and that's writer. Like I write things. So writer S a Brown and my website is S a B entertainment.com. Yes. Thank you so much. And Yari, you last. Hi, so uh, I'm normally based in Atlanta. I came out to Colorado for a seasonal job and I'll be staying here through the winter um, to be a studio assistant. Um, I'll get studio space as well. So I'll be working on a lot of my own personal projects, um, making my own artwork, which is really exciting. Um, I guess if folks wanna like keep up and see what I'm making, if they're interested in like anything that I'm producing or anything like that. My Instagram is one of the best ways. It has links to everything. My Instagram is just my name, yari.mena, Y-A-R-I dot M-E-N-A. Um, my website is yarimena.com. And I also have like a little blog on there about um, that I started when I moved out here to Colorado, which I thought would be a lot shorter than it's probably gonna be now, but it'll be up and running through um, April, most likely. Yes, that's amazing. And I'm Kayla Got the 411. Thank you to the Voyage team for putting together this panel, but also giving us the opportunity to talk freely and just come amongst each other. We all didn't know each other before we came together, but I'm so glad that we all came together. Thank you all for having me be your host and moderator. And I hope you all had a great time. This was a great experience as well. And I hope whoever is watching this, I hope that you chime in and let us know wherever you're watching on your experiences. And you can catch my show on YouTube, Spotify, podcasts. Um, platforms all over if you want to check out Killer Got the Four One Talk Show. And thank you so much. Thank you everyone. This is awesome. <laughs>